0: where does it come from podcast we all have so much stuff in our lives and we're starting to realize that the making using and disposal of our items can cause harm to those who made them the planet and even ourselves i'm joe salter founder of where does it come from creating kind clothes and textiles with a tale i'll be talking with some amazing people who've made it their life's work to make a difference creating businesses, campaigning, writing books, and much more to help us understand and make better choices. This time, I'm talking with John Taylor, all about green energy. Following postgraduate study at the Centre for Alternative Technology, he's been in a number of roles, from community energy programmes to partnering with businesses and councils on climate change. He is currently the Energy Projects Manager at the Greater South East Energy Hub. (music) Hello, hello, and welcome back to the Where Does It Come From podcast. This time I'm chatting with John Taylor of all things uh, green energy and environmentally friendly energy and how we can basically make our, the way that we live our lives and power our lives much better for the planet. So thank you, John, for coming along. Welcome.
1: No, nice to be here. Thank you.
0: My pleasure. So firstly, I know that you're a keen environmentalist. We've known each other for years, but especially when it comes to green energy. So can you please tell us all about what triggered your interest in, and how that has turned into your current role?
1: OK, yeah, sure. Um, yes. Yeah, so my current role, I'm working in a team that's advising local authorities across the southeast of England on how to invest and build out local energy projects and decarbonise um, through renewable energy. But what started me on this path was probably first became aware of this kind of energy climate challenge back at university, kind of around 2003, 2004 time. There it were two factors, I suppose. One was it was around, there were fuel protests at the time. There was yeah, I think fuel prices suddenly went up to one pound a litre, which is something we're well used to these days. That was the first time it happened. And there were people blockading fuel refineries and it kind of just highlighted just how reliant as a society we were on kind of oil and fossil fuels just to function and then yeah also then became aware of the environmental side as well. I remember a lecturer showing us a chart of how you can tell the course of human history by drilling in an ice core and seeing the pollutants and gases that are in there. So I remember seeing this graph of think both lead emissions and carbon emissions and how you can say this is where the Roman Empire started and then dropped off and then yeah then World War One and World War Two, and then right through to the kind of end of the 20th century where we really started growing a global economy based on fossil fuels and it's there all there in this kind of really remote location and it, that's where the kind of penny drop where kind of the choices we make and the way we live our lives has that kind of we're all connected back into this feedback loop of the planet's ecosystem. So that's where it all started. Mm.
0: That's really Um, interesting, actually, when you think about it, because like you say, it's clear evidence, pictorial evidence of the effects that we've had. And presumably with the growth in carbon over the last century, carbon emissions, that must have been having such a telling impact on the ice core, mustn't it?
1: Yeah. And it's all captured there. Um, Yeah. as a kind of recording. And so, that kind of left me wondering, OK, this is something I'd really like to spend more time on um, and kind of come up with solutions to really. Um, so I then followed up with a course um, all about renewable energy and architecture, which is studied studied at the Centre for Alternative Technology in Snowdonia. Um, they've run some master's postgrad courses there. Um, so I started learning about yeah, green energy and in buildings, um, insulation, renewables like wind power and solar power. Um, they were very interested in a hydropower, being in Snowdonia, but here in East Anglia we don't quite have the same gravity or um, wetness and rainfall. So, but yeah, it's all um, useful stuff. And then around that time, I also got a job working with Ipswich Borough Council as their um, in their climate and energy team as an advisor. And then, yeah, and that was yeah probably 12, 13 years ago. And I've yeah been in that kind of role as a kind of public sector. Um, climate change and energy advisor starting off in Ipswich growing to Suffolk and then now advising all local authorities in the southeast of England.
0: Wonderful, wonderful. I know we first met when we were on a panel and that must be um, I don't know seven or eight years ago and I was talking about fashion and you were talking about energy Mm. and then we bumped into each other again I think when you were involved in the Sunrise Solar Project weren't you?
1: Yeah so that was a kind of social enterprise angle to all this and that's something I'm really interested in personally is the big advantage of renewable energy is it can happen at any scale um and it doesn't have to be a massive power station funded by big banks and corporations it is really accessible um to communities as well so yeah it could be yeah putting solar panels on community centers and schools or business parks and even your own homes and yeah there's a quite a big movement in the uk of people coming together and forming kind like, village or town scale energy co-ops and Uh, co-investing in um, renewable energy projects together
0: it's a wonderful thing and I think I think um, if we've learned anything from the um, IPCC report last week it's about how we're going to have to change the way that we think about things like energy and come together as communities to solve some of the issues that are there so having community energy projects it just makes an awful lot of sense doesn't it so that's absolutely fascinating you've basically been driven by a interest and a desire for um, green energy since you, since university and you've followed up with that and you're now in quite a um, you know in a responsible role advising people on how we can make change. I mean, it's a brilliant time to be in that situation, actually, when you think about it. Um, so, yeah, I referred to the IPCC report um, from last week. So it's basically claimed that humanity has caused unprecedented global warming and that we need to make large scale reductions in greenhouse gases or we won't be able to limit the temperature rise to one and a half degrees as we wanted obviously that's not news to you <laughs> in your background but what changes do you believe are required in how we source and use our energy both as individuals and as organizations
1: well i'd say the simplest message from the ipcc report and the uk government's net zero targets is that we have to stop using fossil fuels full stop it's um Like Previously, we had like 60% reduction or 80%, but that kind of left everyone thinking that, well, okay, I can be that 20% that remains using fossil fuels, whereas this kind of makes it clear there's not even room for that. Everybody has to come up with a way of powering their businesses and homes um, with renewables. And so that's really what the clear message is, is everything we use for kind of coal, um, oil, petrol, diesel, gas, we have to find ways of, doing the same things with it all the things we expect energy to do for us but um, yeah with other means that don't emit carbon emissions which is entirely possible and from an engineering point of view I would say
0: yeah and but also reduction I would have thought because we've probably been quite wasteful in Mm. um, the way that we use maybe people might not agree with that but I I think that we are quite wasteful in um, how we use our energy because it's the, the value is perceived as we we've got used to a certain way of using energy anyway. And mm. and something you and I were talking about before with older older properties and things like that. There are ways we can use insulation and other things to to cut down on the amount of energy that we use as well as source from um yeah. renewables.
1: Yeah, I think that's a fair point, is yeah, definitely using less energy, removing the waste from the energy system is yeah equally important like, a lot of the infrastructure and the homes we live with weren't designed with this in mind so designed in the victorian age yeah heated with coal fires and yeah and I, I think also more recently uk has had quite abundant like north sea oil and gas available to it so it's been relatively cheap and compared to some other countries that didn't have that energy resource uh, mm-hmm. it, like even colder places than us like Scandinavia they're far more energy efficient in their buildings and um, there's a lot we can learn um, from other countries.
0: Definitely yeah definitely I mean for me because obviously from a a clothing and textiles background I see a lot of similarities actually so there's there's doing it better Mm. and there's reducing our need all at the same time isn't it so it's, it's quality and not too much volume (laughs) it's very similar i see great similarities there so yes it's it's actually yeah i think that's a clear point that you raise there that maybe hasn't been has certainly hasn't been shared in the press very widely that we have to stop using fossil fuels it's not a question of reducing anymore we have to actually stop and maybe that maybe they're scared that will frighten people but actually as you say scientifically there's no reason why we can't move across to um, renewables to, for our lives so what what would you suggest were the first steps that people need to be thinking about
1: yeah uh, just say like fossil fuels have been great for getting to us to this point of kind of awareness and need to kind of know that it's the energy that fossil fuels give us is what we value rather than the fossil fuels themselves so I would say yeah we need to be thinking in terms of the things that can have the biggest impact soonest in terms of carbon reduction I think when we talk about 2050, that kind of gives people the impression that, yeah, we can you know, plan this in a sensible kind of manner, kind of thought out way. We'll do a few small things just to get used to it and then build up to the bigger things. But actually, the trajectory we take to 2050 really matters. And actually, the like if you think of where our kind of society's carbon emissions are now to where they need to be in 2050, if you draw a straight line, that is pushing us more towards two degrees of warming mm. and if we want to really limit it to one and a half degrees we need to do the biggest saving sooner so it's the interim actions as well or I suppose the way I think about it is yeah there's a finite amount of carbon emissions I, I could personally emit as a personal carbon budget and the way I currently lived my well say for example currently the way we live our lives that would all be burnt through by like 2028 20, so I think the first thing we need to do is measure how we use energy and the kind of associated carbon emissions as a first step. So, yeah, use an online carbon calculator tool to show you where you're, as a business or your personal life, you're using energy. Then that will tell you where you can have the biggest impact soonest. Mm. So it could show up your your vehicle, your car, or it could show up your home heating system or, um, you know, the, you, or the way you travel like on holiday that sort of thing um Mm -hmm. and then you can then start making changes so i had a look at this for my own house i then the biggest thing i've probably done is i yeah switched from a petrol car to an electric car and then yeah the savings that made was like 80 percent of the relative carbon footprint between the two
0: that's good that's interesting yeah yeah
1: So that personal carbon budget with that change now lasts into the 2030s, which is better. Yeah. Um, I then invested in some solar panels on the roof, um, which then reduced the electricity use. And I've also invested in a community wind farm as well to kind of cover um, some of the electric I use in my car. And then you add that carbon saving and suddenly the carbon budget for my lifestyle reaches into the 2040s and then so on. Looking at the central heating system, if I change from a gas boiler to something like an air source heat pump, again, that would then be a close to 80 to 100 percent saving on that carbon f- element of the carbon footprint. And suddenly my carbon budget stretches well into like the near, near the end of the century. Mm. So that's we're getting into the realms of, of quite a nice lifestyle still, but ones that's more compatible with a kind of net zero and target.
0: Yeah, that's interesting, isn't it? And it's a nice way of thinking about it in terms of a timeline mm. and, and how different savings affect you rather than it being something nebulous that you don't really know what savings you're having. You're just try- kind of doing your best. Yeah. I'm surprised that the car would be such a big saving, actually. You know, for me, I would have thought thinking about my home. I've got um husband, two teenage boys. It's, it tends to be hot water yeah <laughs> they like there's a lot of showers going on here but yeah and, and not so much on the transport side it's, it's so looking at the boiler as i was talking to you before and we use good good energy for mm-hmm. our electricity so it's trying to switch over to electricity rather than using gas and things like that but it's it's like you say it's, uh, what tools would you suggest that people look at to measure their carbon footprints
1: um there's one really good one um Done by the World Wildlife Fund (WWF). I can, yeah, send you a link. To I'll put in the notes underneath. Yeah, that's a really good one, and there's a few good business tools as well, which we can, yeah, make sure are linked as well. I'd have to think about that one, but there's definitely <laughs> no, good is... resources out there.
0: Yeah, no, exactly. Well, I know we've done it for um, where does it mm. come from? We've doing the, done the carbon footprint for that, but I think, as you say, uh, having it for mm. your home in your own life is a really good way of understanding. The impact yeah. that you're having you know and if even if it's as simple as walking to the train station mm. every day rather than driving and, and things like that it will make a make a difference to your carbon budget so that, that's really interesting john thank you for that mm. yeah it's a good step that that everyone can make is actually look up their own impact and then obviously as a business do the same thing so changing over some of the things we're talking about electric vehicles heat pumps solar panels or those kind of things what do you think needs to happen in um, our current infrastructure to allow this to happen and I guess our economic model as well to encourage people down these paths what what would you like to see what do you advise um, organizations to do
1: I yeah I think the kind of key things are we need to find ways of generating more renewable electricity um, and we need to make it easy and simple for people to invest in these solutions yeah I think more of a kind of I think that education is still a big part of it. Just letting people know what's possible. Um, I think a lot of the communication around climate change sometimes focuses on how bad things can be. If we don't act, we get stuck on that. And I think telling more stories about how good life could be if we do solve this and um, yeah, telling people more about the solutions and giving people a say in how we redesign the way we live. I think that's all going to be important because um, there will be some changes, like say, if we need more large solar farms and big energy projects uh, like where we are, there's a lot of agricultural land. Um, there's lots of offshore wind farms that need to be connected to the grid. There will be some big infrastructure changes that some people might think is yeah, not that desirable, but they're all going to be needed if the country is going to go down this path. So engage, that's where, the, again, the community energy angle comes in, engaging people as partners and developers in these solutions, not just having it imposed on people is really important i think
0: and, and also as you say sh- mm. talking about the benefits i mean if you've got um, alternative energy you're going to have much cleaner air yeah and you know it's going to be a better place for, for you to live than especially in the cities so mm. there are there are a lot of benefits to moving over to renewable as well yeah. are, there, are there any um more kind of futuristic things that people may not know about that could be coming along in terms of renewables or alternative energy sources
1: let me see like the heating systems are interesting in they're they're going to be quite novel um, and new to the UK, at least in the heat pumps. And I think there's a lot of excitement on the techie end from electric cars and um, like the Tesla effect. And I've seen, yeah, that's really kind of going to only increase, I think, people's excitement around that. Um, and interesting, there's a lot of talk about hydrogen production at the moment. That's a kind of quite a new area. Um, of development and again something that could happen close to where we are and there's two routes for that Um, one is using electricity to um, crack water into hydrogen and oxygen and then you can use that hydrogen as a replacement for diesel in buses and um, other industrial processes a company yesterday um, in sweden just made the first batch of steel without using any coal
0: how
1: brilliant so like zero, completely zero carbon renewable energy powered steel which is a really big advancement um, I,
0: I remember my chemistry experiments at school though doesn't hydrogen explode if it gets <laughs> <Isn't>
1: well, it? <laughs> yeah, possibly yeah like everyone thinks of the Hindenburg and stuff like that but yeah i'm sure like it we have natural gas piped into our homes. That's equally as flammable. We have petrol. Point. In our, yeah, we. everything has a risk to it. But um, yeah, and so there's a lot of interest in hydrogen at the moment. Um, yeah, we have a lot of yeah offshore wind in the UK that could be a source for that. Um, I think certainly in the Middle East, that's something and places like Australia, that's something where they're really going to pivot to away from coal and oil. That's really the, the kind of sci-fi stuff is... You're going to suddenly see massive solar arrays in the, um, the deserts and mm. and yeah, Saudi Arabia and places like that, and they're going to start synthesising hydrogen from solar power and then exporting that instead of oil. And I think that's yeah, going to be a really interesting yeah, um, no, thing that, that comes is. along in the near future.
0: Yeah, no, definitely, definitely. And of course, there's always the debate about nuclear, isn't there? So I, I, I was on a Green Party thing the other day, and there was lots of people talking about we can't have nuclear we can't have nuclear it's dangerous and people are trying to explain no nuclear energy is clean energy it's very different from bombs <laughs> i guess yeah. when it comes down to it but there's a fear of it i think yeah
1: and i think for the climate argument there's certainly a case to be made for extending the life of existing nuclear power stations as much as possible mm-hmm. like we saw with germany they prematurely closed a lot of nuclear power plants and they filled that back in with um, coal power oh. which from a climate point of view isn't fantastic
0: No, um, definitely
1: not. but yeah there's not necessarily easy answers for the electricity side it, like if if you don't want to use nuclear power you then have to find an equal amount of energy from another source which would mean more wind turbines and more solar farms mm. primarily so yeah pe- at some point people have to say yes to something in terms of yeah host yeah, living with technology
0: yeah and again it's um last last um episode of the podcast we talked um to rebecca about electric vehicles and that was there's a lot of comparisons there about behavior change and understanding about um, how we need to change but also the benefits of moving over to an electric vehicle and she was explaining how much um the last say 20 years research has been put into different technologies whereas. So battery technology had been dormant for quite a long time whereas now there's so much research going into battery technology and I guess that's the same um, it, it, it sort of lines up nicely with energy as well because obviously if, we, if we're getting all this solar energy from the desert or wherever we want to get it from community then that if, if we can store that efficiently and and share it around the country around the world then that's mm. going to be a fantastic um, advance isn't it
1: yeah exactly and, and if you think Another techie solution is if you think about electric cars they're effectively batteries on wheels and If you can have a two way charging plug, you can come up with a scenario where if you've got a battery full of electricity in a driver, you can actually plug it back into your house I and like then that. run your house off your car and then mm. and that adds a lot more flexibility into the energy system as well and allow people to charge up when it's cheaper and the wind's blowing hard and then if you've got a cold dark. Windless night, you can then have some power to use um that mm. way.
0: No, that is so, nice. Yeah, I mean, there's lots of, of interesting scenarios, isn't there, around how it can work? But I think it's 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 like you said, it's about the education. It's about, you know, un- understandably, people have very busy lives, and the idea mm. of changing and moving is it can be quite a frightening thing if you're used to work being in a particular way and change has been a gradual thing. Then to suddenly be told that you need to change can be you know can give you a bit of fear but um really it's it's pointing out the positives as you say and the exciting size of some of the the new technologies and opportunities that will come from that so yeah it's all a very positive thing in terms of economic model though do you think that there needs to be changes to our economic legal systems to um to allow some of this to happen are things holding us back from making these changes now
1: well yeah it's still like we are still set up way before and the the challenges we see when we're working on projects is fossil fuels for heating for example are still too cheap Um, and the value people can get from selling power at the moment is still still relatively small and that that's certainly something that needs to be rectified or kind of rebalanced at least Um, at the moment for electricity like for running heat pumps and cars Um, about 25 percent of the cost of a power is actually like social and environmental taxes which aren't levied on fossil fuels like oil and gas okay so it's actually kind of a disincentive to use those at the moment whereas if that was removed and either put onto the fossil fuel sources or general taxation that would then make it a lot easier to um yeah run on electricity
0: Mm. yeah i mean it's always people are always going to be incentivized by price that's just mm. the way that at the moment our sort of economy works. You know, you, 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 you switch your energy provider to provide, provide the cheaper deal yeah. and, and all of that. And it's like if you're flying, people will yeah. fly with the cheapest plane. But yeah,
1: And I think that's the other thing that's going to evolve as well is that kind of offer to households in terms of cars. Well, people already start to lease their cars a lot. And that's what we need to get people thinking about more is not necessarily the upfront investment or cost but what's it going to cost you per month um like to either lease a car or or like with a heat pump if you then break down all the upfront investment you need um, to do your like change the radiators in your house or fit insulation and hit fit heat pump if you then were able to spread the cost of that like through a green mortgage or they they call it as a heat as a service package as well, where some other company invests in all that up front on your behalf, and then you kind of pay a monthly service charge. Actually, when you break it down, the monthly cost is very similar to what you currently probably pay on petrol or gas. Uh, At the moment, we kind of used to paying, like cars are relatively cheap, boilers are relatively cheap, but then you pay through the fuel. Um, So it's kind of breaking down the offers to people and to show that it's actually not that, different from what you currently pay probably on a whole cost basis
0: definitely definitely that's so true And i think you know with, with electric vehicles as well coming out last week was the maintenance of an electric vehicle compared with the maintenance of a petrol or diesel car is so low compared to if you add up all the costs of something over three or five years then you know you're going to find it's going to balance out quite nicely and if if the government or other organisations are going to help people with that then there's more of an incentive to go ahead with it but first there has to be that education piece and there has to be that willingness i guess from the government to to encourage people towards those changes mm. um because at the moment as you say then they're, they're not i mean the one not related but it seems to me very similar when you're looking to travel when we were allowed to travel uh, abroad You look at the cost of a flight as opposed to catching the train and Mm. it's two or three times more to to catch the train. So, of course, people don't catch the train. And then the argument is, well, people don't want to catch the train because they prefer to fly. But that's because flying is so subsidised as opposed to train travel. So I don't think people generally understand that we are being coerced. We're being Pushed to certain behaviors based on an economic model, which currently make no sense with where the direction the targets that we're trying to get to the government say they're trying to get to for um, for uh, all of us for the world for the planet so yeah, yeah. It's how, how do we how do we make those changes? how do we communicate those with people i don't know do you have any ideas <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah um there's was it that kind of flying one just reminded me of something called a um, it's a policy idea called a frequent flyer levy where it's still a relatively affluent thing to do the majority of flights are taken by middle class wealthier people so there is an idea that yeah you you start off the first flight people are to take is a relatively kind of low taxed thing but the more flights people take in a year then the larger the tax um, ramps up on it so it's so, a yeah they call it a frequent flyer levy so the more someone flies, the more revenue is generated to then subsidise those alternatives like train travel and things mm-hmm. like that. But like I say there are lots of people thinking around the ways to do this in a just, fair way. Last year, the Parliament ran something called the UK Climate Assembly, which um, was a really interesting exercise in that they selected about 100 random representative citizens, ordinary people from around the UK that haven't been looking like I have well, climate and energy stuff but they've just been getting on with their lives they gave them kind of a intensive overview of yeah climate and energy challenges and then set them a series of scenarios and policy options of what we can do about it and to kind of to get their feedback on what people would accept and in terms of changes to their lifestyles and and they actually found once people had it explained to them people were willing to be quite radical um, more ambitious than people the Kind of policy analysts expected so I think yeah that's where and there's a, doc, a documentary about the whole process on BBC iPlayer called the people versus climate change yeah, and I, I, I think yeah really one. relatable kind of stories and engagement with people like that is really good
0: mm. yeah that, that's, that's a really interesting point actually and that that made me think the last year or so of our of our existence with the with the whole um, coronavirus and behavior change thing and how mm. When people understand the goals, when people understand the reasons for changing the way that they live, people yes. will do it because we are a community and you know the majority of people want to live as a community and help other people and wear masks to protect other people and all of that. Once they understand yeah. why it's important.
1: Yeah, and I think people underestimate how willing and bought into all this, their neighbours and people around them are as well. We under, Yeah. Um, And I think it's really important that it is sometimes presented as a really big, overwhelming challenge, which I think makes it difficult for them, people to make that connect between their personal lives and how it's going to have an impact. And I've seen also a lot of people saying, OK, well, what about the UK? It's all China and India and America and all that. But it's really the way we frame and tell the story of climate change really impacts how people think of it and react to it. And like a common analogy I hear um, politicians use, it's like an oil tanker where we have to try and turn the ship around, which yeah, kind of gets across the immensity of the challenge. But then everyone sitting in the ship (laughs) kind of does not not really in control of it. So it kind of, how is me changing my light bulbs or changing my car Mm going to contribute? Um, Whereas I think there's another way of describing it, which is far more empowering, and that's not as an oil tanker, but as like a murmuration of starlings. Mm. So it, yeah, you know, the big flock of birds whirling around, and it looks like something big, but you look and it's actually composed of all those in, millions of individuals, kind of acting as a flock together, mm. and it's suddenly an agile thing. It can actually turn really quickly, and that starts with individuals kind of make changing direction, and that influences the people around them, and that movement can ripple through the whole flock, and. Definitely that's where all our choices add up to that big emergent effect of climate change i would argue
0: i think of herring when you talk about the starlings yeah. <laughs> I, I think of herring you know the, you see these wonderful wildlife documentaries of these herring and they just move so quickly when, when there's a, mm. a a noise or something triggers a response in them but yes you're right I, I think the um the oil tanker gives us that feeling of lack of control doesn't it, it, it Whereas, in fact we can all do something and One thing we can can all do is, if we don't like the way that things are being managed, is we can write to our representatives, our councillors and our MPs, and we can say, "Well, hang on, you know, we we know that we want to um, reduce our carbon emissions, and this particular policy or this um, subsidy is making this not work. You need to do something about it." And I think there's a general feeling that that won't make any difference, but actually, the more people that do it, the more difference it's going to make. And we, we ultimately have the power to to change the government if we're not happy with the way it is i mean it may not be the system may not be perfect but at least we have that that vehicle that we can use to change the government or to speak to our local councillors and get things changed within our local area so we we do have power we're not we're not on an oil tanker <laughs> we're a starling or a herring or something <laughs> something like that yeah we are that feedback's
1: really important definitely
0: yeah absolutely absolutely um, so we've 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 kind of gone into the, what this area already. But my next question was: What other wide changes do you think need to happen so that we can actually meet the targets set up set out by, say, the Paris Agreement? We can try and get to our keep keep at less than one and a half degrees uh, increase and all the other emissions targets.
1: Yeah, we kind of covered the fossil fuel side of things there, and uh, there are other elements to the kind of what's happening Yeah, there's the whole emissions from agriculture and fertilizer and the way we use land that's going to be a really um a big contributor to the whole process as well so it is underpinned by energy to some point in that it's about how we produce fertilizers and fuel tractors and yeah but there, yeah there's also things like diet and the thing the sorts of crops we plant and yeah there's really interesting farming systems being developed that integrate a lot more trees into the landscape like agroforestry some really interesting projects Uh, There's one up in suffolk um, called wakeland's agroforestry which is a really nice example of how you can do that yeah and again there's the whole it's like climate change is ultimately about the carbon cycle it's about what goes up into the air but also what comes down again so that land use is almost yeah and the reforestry side of things is equally important in terms of yeah enhancing the landscape's ability to draw down and sequester carbon um and then what we do with um trees and it applies to um yeah the seas as well as equally as the land Mm. um i think down in sussex they're looking at rebuilding the kelp forests that used to exist off the coast there because those kind of estuaries tidal kind of coastal environments are really good seaweed at sucking down carbon as well as trees so
0: it's using nature. we well, not using yeah. nature, being in harmony with nature.
1: Exactly. It's that balance that uh, yeah. is really important. And it, is. Yeah, we...
0: it really is. That, that's very interesting. I and mean, you were making me, you reminded me of something I read the other day about more artificial carbon sequestering plans that have been mooted about burying some of this carbon deep down in the rocks, which makes me go, no, that doesn't sound like a good idea. I don't know what you think.
1: Um, I think yeah that's something we do have to start thinking about is yeah ge they call it geological carbon sequestration because that's ultimately where the, a lot of the fossil fuels have come from it's come from underground and before they weren't active as part of the carbon cycle but now they are up in the air and so yeah we do have the ability to yeah enhance trees get more carbon into the soil and that sort of thing but we've seen with all the wildfires recently there is a risk to that that in a warm in a world well, with some climate change already built in that that carbon is vulnerable to then being re- released through wildfires mm. so if you, that permanent geological sequestration is going to be really important going forward as well yeah and i think there's a few kind of routes to do that yeah one is creating charcoal effectively so you get trees and then you yeah turn the living yeah you turn the wood into charcoal maybe get some energy recovery at the same time then you can bury the charcoal underground or into the soil but yeah there's also these quite futuristic companies that are starting to just basically suck carbon dioxide out of the air with giant fans
0: Mm, that's what i was reading yeah Yeah, Yeah. there's
1: one in um, iceland i think where they're doing that with powered by geothermal energy and then they're pumping the liquid carbon dioxide down into the earth where it into the rock formation where it will then turn back into solid stone so yeah, it's again. There's lots of startups looking at that part of it mm-hmm. as well, and like uh, the IPC and the government kind of say that will need to be part of our carbon plans mid, like by the end of the century to kind of start, yeah, getting that balance of carbon back out of the atmosphere into other parts of the carbon cycle. Mm,
0: it's a short, it's a short-term win, isn't it? But I suppose it's a. Uh, for me, I, I just think. I don't know. I'd rather rather (laughs) see it done slowly and naturally, but I guess we just don't have the time to do it. We we need to be coming up with some of these more ambitious things that may may solve some of the problems in the shorter term while we can get our house in order Mm. for the longer term. But it's... um, you know, it's definitely something we have to look at all of the, the things. I mean, I, I saw a very interesting slide the other day with all of the different energy sources, and it's going to be a combination. We're not there's not one size that fits all, is there? There's basically lots of different things that we need to we need to be looking at and investing in all of them, and mm. then having using all of them in different ways to provide a balance of how we source our energy. Yeah. Uh, so we're not we're not too reliant on just the one or two different ways of doing things.
1: Yeah, so. and there's, lot, again, there's lots of, if people want to find out more, there's lots of good information out there. And um, there's, like in the UK, we have the Climate Change Committee that is kind of a an independent panel of experts that look at the options for the UK as a whole. Um, and then there's, in America, there's something called Project Drawdown, who are a charity that kind of lists all the solutions available to us. Mm. Um, and people Seven can go and explore that. Under, yeah
0: not put them on everyone could do do some light reading Mm -hmm. on all of this but yeah it's 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 absolutely absolutely fascinating so um just coming near to the end now i was going to say um could you could you suggest three things that people can do right now in their lives that will actually help us move to a more green energy world
1: yeah i would say we have one thing that's often commonly put out there is an easy thing to do is to switch your energy tariff um which like from wherever you are at the moment to one that's 100 percent backed by renewable energy um i would say go beyond that slightly and find one that's actually well yeah try and invest in a renewable energy project directly um there's either through a community energy group or um there's a company called ripple energy that builds wind farms and you can buy a share in it and have it power it generates linked back to your energy bill that's uh, one thing i would say like that if you're a business try and work out what you're reliant on in terms of carbon and fossil at the moment and try and design your products or processes in a way that isn't um yeah i suppose that's (laughs) more of a general one but That's a good one. Yeah, but I would say, yeah, the focus on the big things that, again, you're going to do it once, make a big decision once. Sometimes people get caught up on the daily choices we have to make in terms of what we buy every day, but it's the big decisions that matter. Like your heating system, you change it once and it might be that way for 15 years. So doing that right the first time is going to be a big one to focus on, I would say. Yeah, and then just... I'd actually say try and get a job doing this. Um, this isn't something ultimately we can do in our spare time as volunteers. The more people we have making climate action and energy their day job is how we're going to solve this really. And Big change. a big thing as well. But,
0: mm. Yeah, and yeah. interesting about you talking about energy tariffs as well because I was reading something mm. this morning about there's going to be an investigation, isn't there? Because a lot of the companies that say that they have green tariffs, mm-hmm. it's actually when you look into it, probably a fair bit of greenwashing going on there and there's uh it's actually if you if you've got if if you just want to change your energy tariff look at someone who is working directly with the energy providers so um good energy i think it's ecotricity some of those other ones that actually work directly and some of the major names we know they they're doing it in an indirect way and just buying certificates and it's not necessarily as what general public think that it actually is um yeah. so that's just a, a bit of a warning i read this morning which makes yeah, a
1: lot yeah. of sense yeah definitely that's uh, an issue to be aware of yeah so to summarize i'd say a big the three things to yeah, invest in a renewable energy project linked to your energy tariff perhaps um it, check where your pension and banks and investments are held as well because that's um like your pensions being used to then fund fossil fuel projects, that kind of undermines the point of a pension in some way in terms of giving you a secure future. There's lots of companies offering ethical investments. Some will even invest in renewable energy projects in developing countries. It's a really good um, scheme called Energize Africa that's worth a look, like a crowdfunding platform. Mm-hmm. And yeah, then it comes down to you know yeah your heating your vehicle, yeah measure your carbon footprint and then get some personal advice from those about where's best to focus on in your own situation
0: I think your earlier comment about measuring measuring your own carbon footprint is a really good one if you can actually see what small changes that you're making every day or big changes but Mm. the the effect of how much of a carbon budget that gives you personally and by doing that you're going to be there's a ripple of change there out into the community because other people are going to be doing the same thing and it's going to be Making a big difference, so that's that's a really good way of doing it. I loved your point as well about if you like this kind of stuff, go and work in it. Because I, th- I've, the way I see it, I think there's going to be a lot of big changes. There's going to be lots of new jobs. There's going to be if, if we're going to do if we're actually going to seriously attempt to well and succeed in reducing um, our carbon emissions, then there's there's going to be a, a whole different. Um, variety of jobs and things coming along and if this is something that interests people now's the time to go out and find out about it and maybe do a course like you were talking about the one you did and and understand it and it can start off with activism can't it and then turn into a whole career as I think happened for you and I
1: (laughs) yeah exactly
0: (laughs) and a lot of the people that we know so you start off with an interest and then go find out more and then that can be your become your life and you're, you're doing something you love and you're changing the world at the same time to be a better place so what's not to like as they say <laughs> no that's that's brilliant john is there anything else you'd like to add about things you think we could be doing or things we may not have covered in the conversation about green energy
1: i, I think they're the main things i wanted to cover like there may well be specific yeah projects and th- like people have i'm always happy to take questions from people as well if they want to email anything in and yeah have things clarified so yeah i just want to kind of want to get across to the point that yeah it sounds scary and dire situation but it's entirely possible for us to turn this around and actually end up in a with a way of life that's better than today this isn't as good as it gets so i keep saying it there's a Love it. future can be yeah better yeah. if we want it to be
0: definitely nothing I, that's it well we're, we're we're setting a bar that where we are is where we want to be but actually we want to be better don't we yeah we want to have cleaner air we want to have healthier lives We want to have a, a better situation let's not let's not limit ourselves with ca- today's life and let's think about current possibilities and how fantastic that could be for future generations as well so that's a great place to end so um thank you so much for your time john taylor we'll add lots of links onto the podcast people can link with you on linkedin i guess and and contact you directly through there so if anyone's listening um he's john taylor on linkedin if you can't find him He's connected to me, so you should be able to find him through there. Thank you so much for your time, John, and your expertise. It's been fantastic talking to you, as always. Thank you very much.